Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, June the 13th, 2022. It is 8.03 on your Tucson Monday, and whether you're joining us on the AM side at 1490, if you're listening on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via your Alexa-enabled devices, I do appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show here on uh, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. I know that you have options of where to lend your ears to gather sports news and entertainment and information and opinions and appreciate you choosing my show here every single weekday from 7 to 9 as we try to keep it live and local and uh, sprinkle in plenty of uh, national stuff as well. Obviously, talking some NFL, we'll be talking about that coming up in just a little bit. Let's do some tickets. Let's give away. I have some tickets to give away. If I don't give them away now, Justin and Ali will give them away. Uh, they'll just take them for themselves and give them away on their show later today. So I have to do it myself and make sure that I get these tickets given away. <laughs> so let's do it. We'll take caller number three at 520-719-1490. 520-719-1490 is the phone number. Be caller number three. And uh, you'll win a pair of tickets to go see the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Detroit Tigers. That game is scheduled for Saturday, June 25th up here in Phoenix. So uh, you'll be making the, the pilgrimage up here to, uh, to Phoenix to, uh, to watch the baseball game. Nonetheless, caller number 3719-1490. Good luck and uh, enjoy the game. I, the NBA Finals have been – look, they've been less than – you know, they've been lackluster. Let's just put it that way. They've certainly not been the 97 NBA Finals, right? Because today marks the anniversary, the 25th anniversary of the Chicago Bulls winning their championship in Game 6 over the Utah Jazz. And if you remember what happened in Game 6, there was a timeout called. Phil Jackson calls timeout. tie game was an 84-84, something like that, really low-scoring game. Uh, you know, for you know, for, for you know, for the NBA, and for you know, I, I know that some of the uh, people like JJ Redick lament those days, but th- that wasn't the only '84 '84 game. You know, there was there was other games that were more exciting than that. Regardless, if you remember what happened in that game, Phil Jackson calls timeout, and MJ is sitting on the bench next to Steve Kerr, and uh, Steve with his flat top in uh, full regalia there. <laughs> looking good with the buzz cut. He's uh, he's sitting there, and MJ turns to him and says, like, basically says, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you the ball. You better make the shot. And Steve all of a sudden is like, he kind of like perks up. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, just, just find me. I'll, I'll be open. So, you know, time's ticking down, tick, tick, tick. And, you know, there's three seconds, two seconds. MJ dribbles into a double team drawing over uh, uh, Brian Russell, draws over the double team. Here comes Steve, who was standing kind of camping out of the three-point line, essentially, circles around to get to the top of the key. MJ throws kind of a weird pass at him, 
and Steve has to go up and just shoot it immediately. There's no time to think about it. The shot clock is winding down. There's one second left on the clock. He elevates, releases in that uh, beautiful Steve Kerr form of his and drops the bucket for the dub, and the, the, the Chicago Bulls win. And that was 25 years ago today that that happened. Wow. So uh, always a, a fun memory kind of uh, reminiscing back to those types of things as uh, as Kerr. And then, then you remember if – uh, what Steve said at the at the the parade a couple of days later, you know he's up at the podium. He's obviously a, a hero for the you know for the Bulls fans, and he basically what, what he say something he goes he goes once again I had to buy I had to bail Michael out. <laughs> that's so good. That's so Steve, right? That's uh, that's very much Steve Kerr. So, um, yeah, that was that was twenty five years ago today. Popped up on my Twitter feed uh, this morning. And uh, this day in sports history, fun stuff, fun stuff. Some of the things you, you know, you kind of forget. Um, and then, of course, you know, <laughs> the uh, the announcer like, oh, reminiscent of John Paxson in 1993. I'm like, oh, dagger, dagger to the back. Why did you do that? I have to remember that stuff. Damn. <laughs> Certainly uh, no excitement to that level thus far in the NBA Finals. In fact, all the games have been just kind of meh. <laughs> Steph has been great, though. And like I said uh, prior, I-, I think that that given, re- regardless of the outcome of this series, Steph Curry should be given the, the MVP award. Because there's no doubt in my mind that he is the best player on the court in this series. He is the most valuable player on the court for either team in this series. None more evident than what happened on Saturday. His team needed him in a huge way. I mean, they, you know, they were they were down at halftime, right? They they hadn't scored. They scored forty nine points in the first half. Things weren't going well. The offense sputtering outside of Steph. I think he had would he have twenty twenty at the half. I think he had. Um, and, and you know, twenty of their forty nine at the half, and the offense just wasn't just wasn't going well. Then the third quarter happened, and Steph went off <laughs> because in the second half he was unstoppable, absolutely incredible in the second half of that game, and you know just wheeled his team to victory, essentially a one hundred seven ninety seven win for the Dubs in that game. Forty three points, ten rebounds, four assists. That tells you everything you need to know about how well the the Warriors were shooting the ball uh, without him. Draymond was one of seven from the floor in that game, got benched in the final minutes of that game by Steve Kerr and the right move. He wasn't, he wasn't happy about it. Draymond wasn't happy about it, and I didn't, wouldn't expect him to be, but it was the right move. And if he takes a, a, just a moment to reflect back and think about his teammates for just a moment instead of thinking about himself, he'll understand that Steve Kerr made the right call because he was, he, he's been hurting his team on more than one occasion being out on the floor in big moments in this series and in this postseason, for that matter, and was doing it in front of the entire world in game four. And Kerr was like, I'm done with this. You're, you're done. You're benched. Uh, your, your two points and your three turnovers can go sit their butt on the bench and you're one of seven shooting. Uh, also in that game, Clay wasn't great. He was, I think when he scored 18 points, but didn't do anything outside of that. Like, he just scored 18 points. Wasn't active. 
wasn't uh, you know wasn't setting a whole lot of screens in the game. We had I think he had, we, had, we have one assist and one rebound outside of the eighteen points. He played forty minutes in the game. Like what is what is happening? <laughs> it's like the rest of the team is just kind of like no, oh, just watch Steph play ball here. And look, Steve Kerr kind of shook things up a little bit because Kevon Looney didn't get the start. Remember, it was Otto Porter getting the start at forward. Draymond got the start at five alongside Curry, Wiggins, and Clay in the backcourt. So he kind of shook up the uh, the starting rotation a little bit as well, starting lineup. We'll see what happens tonight as they head back to San Francisco for game five. Uh, you look, it's it's a huge game for both teams. Obviously, this is the NBA Finals. Like, oh, it's a huge game for, you know, yeah, it's a huge game for both. Like, this is every win, every loss matters. It's the finals. Uh, you know, like I said before game four, if Boston were to win game four, the series is over. I didn't think that the Warriors would be able to rescue themselves from a 3-1 deficit uh, with the way that they had been playing. Likewise, for the Boston Celtics, if they lose in game five tonight, they may win game six, but there is no way in hell they're winning a game seven in San Francisco against the Warriors. There's just no way. So this is an absolute must win for the Boston Celtics because you want to set yourself up with a chance to close things out in game six at home because you don't want the the hassle, the uh, the uphill battle of trying to close things out in the series in a game seven on the road in San Francisco. Just it just That is an undaunting task. The Warriors are favored by four in this game tonight. Look, it's been it's been discussed. The you know, the the Boston uh, Boston Celtics fans, the Boston media have been discussing what Ime Udoka has been doing uh, defensively against Steph Curry and against the the Golden State Warriors. They have been electing to to play drop coverage, the uh, the umbrella type zone drop against the screens, much the way the Phoenix Suns have done under Monty Williams for the last three years. It's a, it's a, it's a very potent defense, but you got to make sure that whoever's guarding the best player on the other team has their, you know, has got their stuff together. Can can actually like stay with him. Now, they've put Marcus Smart, the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, on Steph one on one in those situations when they've dropped, and he's getting beat. Like Steph is is stirring him up, and. It all goes back, and it's it's not because of Steph's quickness. It's not because of his ability to elevate and shoot. It has one thing. And I, I, watching the games, I'm just like, he is outmanning Marcus Smart. He is bullying Marcus Smart. He's pushing him around. And anytime he takes any kind of a physical you know physical attack from a Marcus Smart, he shrugs it off. And it just it just goes to say what I've been saying all along, what I've been saying for years about Steph Curry, that his strength. The, the the power that he generates in that body of his is the most underrated aspect of his game. People underestimate his strength all the time. He fights through screens. He fights through fouls. And I'll tell you what, he does it all and does damage in the paint. You, you watch the game on, uh, you know, game four, it was Steph getting into the paint that was causing all the trouble. He was getting by Marcus Smart, running through him, running through fouls to get in the paint and create problems. Because once they once the Celtics dropped, Warriors would then kind of 
set him up and say, look, we're going we're to fake backdoor action here to make sure that you're, the, whoever's protecting the, the rim is forced to now come out from there because we've got you, you – you can't just have a backdoor wide-open shooter at the top of the key. Just, just, so whoever's protecting the paint now has to step out, and that leaves a lane wide open for the, the ball handler. If you've got a defender who can't stop the ball, you're in trouble. And Steph has been <laughs> putting, putting poor Marcus Smart in the blender on a lot of occasions, and anyone else who's, who's been assigned to him, to be honest with you. Really, no one has had any success against Steph defensively in this series. At this point, honestly, you don't want to – you can't just abandon the drop coverage. It's been your bread and butter all year as the number one defensive team in the NBA. So you don't want to drop that. That's your, that's your style. That's your thing. And in basketball, there's a, a term that gets used a lot by coaches and by players, and I can't repeat – 100% the, the accurate statement, but in basketball, you run your stuff. We, we run our stuff. We, you know, we, we, don't, we don't change a whole lot. We don't run you know, mixed coverages. I mean, if that, if that is your defense, is running mixed coverages and changing up defenses and doing all kinds of different things, then that's, then, you know, that's your identity. But if you have your identity and you have on offense, you're a pick-and-roll team, and on defense, you're a drop coverage team, you run your stuff. And you just say you got to be better than us. It's a make or miss league, and we're gonna we're gonna bet that our stuff is gonna make you miss more than you make. And at this point in time, you can't. You just have to kind of hope that Steph misses three pointers. So, yeah, you can play the drop coverage, but you're not gonna be able to 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 you know, to bring your rim protector out to cover that that top of the key uh, shooter. You have to have him stay home so that it deters Steph from getting into the lane because you can't have him making, what do you make, 12 two-pointers in the game? You can't have that. That's You're going to get ruined that way. So <laughs> you just basically have to stay home, hope that he misses his jump shots, which good luck. I mean, look, Steph has been no, – I mean, he's had plenty of one-of-ten shooting nights from beyond the yard. There's been plenty of times where he's been cold. You better hope that that happens because i got to be honest with you. Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart, ain't cutting it. <laughs> if you want to be, if you're a Celtics fan and you want to be mad at something, don't be mad at Ime Udoka. Lots of teams run drop drop coverage against the Warriors and win. Okay, there's plenty of guys out there that can that can d up stuff, whether it's with their footwork or they're just the, their length gives him problems. I know that uh, that Mikel Bridges has been a problem for uh, for Steph in in certain games and in, in times where Steph wasn't you know didn't have eye of the tiger trying to win a championship right um but marcus smart ain't getting it done so if you're a celtics fan be mad at marcus smart don't don't send your your hate to Ime Udoka for playing a proven defense that's just not getting it's not working because your guy your defensive player of the year can't handle it and that's exactly what's happening and i'll be honest with you like watching the games it almost seems like Marcus Smart, because offensively the Celtics have been anemic at times, and, I, and when I say anemic, like they've just been relying on the Warriors' you know lack of defense essentially, which has been bad in several games this series. Three games this series, Warriors' defense has been poor, to say the least. But I think like Marcus Smart, just watching the games, I get the feeling like he's – looking to score a little bit more. Like, he's going all the way back to his college days at Oklahoma State. Like, I got to score 30 tonight. Like, no, no. You need to score three 
and make sure that that guy across from you that is like otherworldly player doesn't go off for 43, which he did. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, if you're if you're Celtics fan, don't be mad at Ime Udoka for his coverage. It's your boy Marcus Smart, your defensive player of the year, uh, that is uh, that is failing you right now. So, game five going to be interesting tonight. Look, I'm I'm watching it because it's the finals. It's my job. I'm not necessarily enjoying the hell out of it. I'm just noticing some things. I'm just it's kind of like a like a technical type of thing. I'm just I'm just watching the technical side of the basketball. I'm just it's not it's not the most enjoyable thing that I've watched. I'm not emotionally invested the way that I'm going to be watching the Stanley Cup finals which are coming up real soon as well. So, uh Avalanche and, and Lightning in that uh, in that series. So, I'll watch it, and then uh, you know we'll see what happens. See who emerges as a uh, a one game away from claiming their NBA title for this season. Congratulations to Adam Carpy. Adam Carpy was the winner of our Diamondbacks tickets that we gave away just a little bit ago. He's going to go see the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Detroit Tigers coming up Saturday, June twenty fifth. Congratulations, Adam. Uh, safe travels and enjoy the game with uh, whomever you decide to take with you. And of course. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. We're going to have tickets all week to give away, so stay tuned. As unless, like, like I said, unless Spears and Ali decide to give all my tickets away again, like they did Friday, um, and uh, you know, hopefully we can hang on to a couple pair to give away tomorrow. <laughs> so we'll try again and see if we can give away some more tickets tomorrow. When we return, we'll start talking some NFL, NFL news and notes across the world of sports. Coming up next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Headline reads, Bruce Arian says, had Tom not come back, I would probably still be coaching. Reaction. So, so irresponsible to put that stuff out there like that without context because there are plenty of people out there who just flip through. They spend three seconds reading each article. They just read the headline and maybe a sub, uh, you know, a sub headline, and then they move on and they expect that to like they treat that as the news. But in the grand scheme of things, in the conversation that Bruce Arians was having with uh, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times in regards to the the recent unsettling in Tampa where Tom Brady retired, they were ready to move on without him, then he returns, and what was it, four days later, four days after Tom re- you know, announces his return to the field, Bruce Arians resigned and retired from coaching. Now, Bruce still has a job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's He's been given some weird title. <laughs> like, uh, uh, what is it, like direct field assistant to the general manager or something. Basically, Bruce is out there babysitting the coaches. <laughs> Bruce is coaching without coaching. He's not going to wear, you know, the main headset. He's not going to be the one talking to the officials during game days and things like that. But Bruce is there every single day sitting on his golf cart in his big hat and uh, enjoying being retired <laughs> and watching the football team and the players and the coaches. 
So this is what he said. And if you, if you, I'm going to read you the entire quote that he gave to Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, and then let you know we'll, we'll discuss kind of what it means. This is this is quote what he said. I was going the other way regarding to the belief that Brady would be back, essentially saying like I I, I felt like he was going to stay retired. Quote, I was thinking he wasn't going to play. I was thinking about who are we going to get? Who wants to trade? There wasn't anybody in the draft. That was obvious. So a <laughs> little, little shade thrown at, you know, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and, you know, anybody else that was in this, in, you know, any other quarterbacks that were in this draft. So he said there wasn't anybody to draft. That was obvious. Me, to the public, I was fine with the two that we had, Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask, because I've seen Blaine win with a good team behind him. Had Tom not come back, I would probably still be coaching because I couldn't give Todd that situation. So let's let's break down kind of what he said here. Bruce says a lot uh, in, 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 his, in his few words here. First of all, he knew that there was not going to be anyone worth drafting, so they were automatically looking into the free agent market and the trade market in regards to looking for a new quarterback. Now, he also said to the public, basically, I told the public and I told the media that we were going to be fine moving forward with Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask, but behind the scenes, we were in big trouble, that I knew that I needed to find somebody to replace those guys because we weren't. this team was not going to win with Blaine Gabbert and or Kyle Trask as the starting quarterback. Now, he said, had Tom not come back, I probably would still be coaching. I couldn't give Todd that situation. His best friend in the world is Todd Bowles. They've been best friends for years, years. The last thing he wants to do is give Todd Bowles his second opportunity at a head coaching job after the the failure in New York, and I will say that that was more of a failure on that franchise than it was on Todd Bowles. I think Todd Bowles is a fine coach. He really is. Dealt with Todd here in Arizona for you know for a few years. Great coach. He said, I couldn't give Todd that situation. Basically, like, I, I, there's no way I could step away from coaching and leave him holding the bag and trying to win games with Blaine Gabbert as the starting quarterback. There's no way. So I would have returned. I would have continued to stay the head coach, and I would have taken on that, you know, I would have taken on that responsibility of trying to win games with those two quarterbacks as opposed to giving it to Todd. And as soon as Tom Brady returned, I knew that I was okay to get, you know, hand over the reins to Todd Bowles. This is exactly what I said the day that he resigned, the day that he retired. This is exactly what I said. <laughs> and people were upset about him not naming Byron Lefwich as the head coach. And the reasoning I gave for that was it's better to give Todd Bowles his second opportunity and allow him to prove himself that he can win with a good quarterback as opposed to whatever he was given when he was with the Jets and let Tom Brady kind of help Todd get his next head coaching job because this will probably be a one-year deal for Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles will not be the head coach in Tampa Bay for too long, I don't believe. And if he is, then that's because Tampa Bay decided to retain him and keep him there, which is fine too. But either way, somebody's going to be the next head coach of Tampa, whether it's Byron Lefwich or whether it's 
Todd Bowles moving forward. But this was a better situation for Todd Bowles. There's no reason for Bruce Arians to come back and coach this team if, if Tom Brady's the quarterback. He's already won a Super Bowl. He's, he's good to go. Like, we know that Bruce can coach Tom Brady to a Super Bowl win. We saw it. We, we have the proof. What we don't have the proof is, is if Todd Bowles is capable of running a top-tier program in the NFL. He's going to get his opportunity now. Because had, had Bruce turned over the reins to Todd Bowles with Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask as the starting quarterback, if they, weren't, they didn't have any plans on drafting a quarterback because they felt that the, the quarterback class was trash. Okay? So they weren't going to draft anybody. They don't have a whole lot of market room for you know, landing a big free agent in the offseason in regards to the quarterback position. So he's looking for trades. The last thing he wanted to do is give his best friend a sinking ship. So when when you see headlines that say Bruce Arian says had Tom not come back I would probably still be coaching and that's all they leave it at that is so irresponsible. This is this is why I t- this is why I tell you guys all the time I'm like please click on the article and read the article. Like if it's if it's something that interests you. If it's about a team that interests you or just you're just a big NFL fan or whatever sport it happens to be. Click on the article and read it, for God's sakes. Because there are people that are going to be running around for the next six weeks saying that, oh, Bruce Arians didn't have a good relationship with Tom Brady. He said so. He said if Tom had come back, he wouldn't be co- or Tom wouldn't have come back. He'd be still be coaching by now. <laughs> Stop. Read the article. And, damn it, I, I just – this is what bothers me so much. I'm a member of the media. I've been a member of the media for 23 years. Okay, It bugs me to no end that there are guys out there wearing badges, wearing you know credentials that get access to this kind of stuff, that have a job to write an article like this, and that's the headline that they use. Clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Or just putting out a narrative that you want to, just for people you know that are going to be scrolling by. Ugh, it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> So, yeah, just click on the article and read it. Do yourself a favor. Spend two minutes. Two minutes. All it takes. I know in this day and age, two minutes seems like an eternity. What, what I, I heard something the other day. It was like, uh, what was it? Like, it, it was in regards to TikTok. Because TikTok is huge, right? I, look, I love TikTok. I think it's hilarious. I, I can spend ten minutes of time on TikTok and not even realize that ten minutes had gone by. It feels like 30 seconds. But the average person will move on from a TikTok video every three and a half seconds. Three and a half seconds is what it takes for the human brain these days to decide whether they like it or not, or whether to absorb it, or, or whether to take it in or not. So for headline writers on Twitter and things like that, if people are just scanning the, you know, the, the, the headlines for stuff, trying to get their news that way, you're being manipulated. Manipulated. This is because that's the headline I saw. I don't know who the I can't remember who the writer was. It wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, Rick Stroud of Tampa Bay Times. Rick Stroud wrote a, a a a proper article about it, but other people picked it up, and it was like, oh, Bruce Arian says if Tom hadn't come back, he'd still be coaching. Which leads you to believe that Tom, that that Bruce is bitter about Tom coming back, which is not the case at all. It couldn't be further from the truth. Bruce is still there. <laughs> He's still on the sideline. He's There's a picture of him right here. I'm looking right at it. Sitting on his golf cart. Sitting on a golf cart with a big hat on his head. 
in the shade while Todd Bowles has got the, the whistle around his neck and coaching players. Like, it's, <laughs> God, man, it is so irresponsible. It drives me nuts. All right, we'll talk about some more NFL coming up after the break because there was uh, an interesting story of, uh, of an incoming rookie this year that you all may be familiar with. He did some pretty amazing things over the weekend. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking some NFL here. We do every single day. That's my promise to you. There was a, a quote from John Harbaugh last week, and I kind of took it and ran with it a little bit because I felt like he was sending a message through the through the media to one of his players, and that one of his players being Lamar Jackson. He said in the quote to the you know in, in his press conference, he says, "I expect." Lamar Jackson to be, I expect Lamar to be here for the for the mini camp next week and I expect him to be in shape. Basically saying like we haven't seen you, we haven't heard from you. When you arrive for work, you better be ready to work. You better be in shape. Sending him a message cuz he he repeated it 3 times in the 15 second soundbite. Basically like you'll be in shape. Well, Lamar Jackson showed up for the mini camp today. Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback there, posted a video on his Instagram saying, y'all won't believe who I'm with, and then turns the camera to show Lamar Jackson with his arm around uh, Lamar Jackson there. So, look, this is this is good news for the Ravens, obviously, that Lamar Jackson has shown up. I'm still not exactly sure. It, it is a weird situation with what's going on, and, and I've mentioned before, it's because a lot of it is because you know, Lamar Jackson is self-represented. He does not have an agent. Uh, that represents him. So he's in charge of negotiating his own contracts and discussions and things like that, which, man, I, I mean, among a, a litany of other things that it, you know, that, that causes it to be somewhat of a detriment uh, to the player and to the team, it's just the time. Like, it, these agents work 22, 23, 24 hours a day making sure that their players are secured and, Everything's you know good to go and making contacts and connections with everybody. Like it is a tireless job, and being an NFL quarterback certainly isn't the easiest thing either. If you try to do both, I mean, trust me, take it from someone who overcooks themselves on a regular basis. It is not easy to try to do those two jobs, and uh, I just I I feel like eventually somebody's going to get the short end of the stick here, whether it's the Ravens. If they cave and they just say, "Look, we just we we can't we can't go on any further like this. We're just going to give you the money," which I don't think is going to happen because that teams don't just don't do that. Or it's going to be Lamar Jackson ending up on the short end of the stick because he's not able to negotiate a proper contract. So we'll see. I, you know, again, he's he's there, and I I don't know whether or not he's in shape. We'll wait to see if uh, you know if there's any comments on that from uh from harbaugh and you know from the coaches today but uh i couldn't tell from the from the video on marlon humphrey's instagram interesting news from a a valley product that came out of brophy high school several years ago he, he was what it was like 2013 brophy grad or something like that 2012 anyway 
Devin Allen, who was a wide receiver for Oregon for several uh, several seasons there up in uh, up in Eugene, but has been on the radar maybe more as a as an Olympic sprinter as opposed to being uh, you know a, a football player. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles signed him to a three-year contract this offseason, and he is going to be playing for the Eagles as a 27-year-old rookie in the NFL this year. Well, over the weekend in New York at the USATF Grand Prix, uh, in fact, it was just yesterday, he ran the 110-meter hurdles at a time of 12.84 seconds. If you're not familiar with that, first of all, it's really stinking fast. Second of all, it's the third fastest time in world history, he was just four hundredths of a second off of the world record of 12.80, which was set uh, in 2012 by Aries Merritt at some event in Brussels. Now, Devin Allen told reporters, like, if I clean up a few things, four hundredths of a second is four thousandths of a second per hurdle, which is so small. I'm going to have to wait for another race. So, he he says that he's right there on the precipice of breaking that world record, which would be incredibly impressive, right? I mean, you know, I, I love watching sprinters because, look, that's something that I, oh, my God, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, not not this body, not not this body at all, for sure. So the 27-year-old Allen, uh, who, of course, who was a former standout at, uh, at, at Oregon, was an amazing athlete here in the Phoenix area, who did sign a contract, a three-year deal with the with the Eagles back in April, is uh, going to be doing some other events this summer. The USA uh, Track and Field, the the USATF Outdoor Championships are coming up uh, later this month, and the World Championships are in July. Before he'll uh, head off to uh, to Philadelphia for Eagles camp and try to begin his career as an NFL wide receiver. Now he it's interesting because he had a pro day. Um, he was in attendance at the uh, at the Oregon Pro Day, just running routes and things like that. And he ran a four three five forty at twenty seven years old. Ran a four three five. Now, obviously, he's a sprinter. He's a seasoned uh, at Olympic caliber, Olympic gold medal caliber sprinter. Okay, uh, so he knows how to run a forty yard dash. That that being said, not everybody gets turned in a four three five forty, regardless of how seasoned and how technical of a sprinter you are. Four three five forty is business. Like that's that's big time. So he caught a lot of attention from scouts. Are like, um, who's this guy? <laughs> who's who's this guy that just ran a four three five forty and is shagging sixty yard balls left and right? And uh, they're like, oh, it's Devin Allen. And the Eagles are like, interesting. Would you like to sign a deal with us? Would you like to sign a contract? They basically signed him the next day. <laughs> it was like, it was like, oh, okay. So yeah, three-year deal, twenty-seven-year-old rookie. Excited about that. I, look, I'm excited. Anytime, anytime you get kind of a world-class athlete like that in a team sport, I always it's always compelling to me. It's always fascinating to see how they integrate into team sports. So I will definitely be watching Philadelphia Eagles football this year to see what kind of an impact Devin Allen. Because it's, it's one of those situations where like every look, everybody on the field is going to know he's out there, right? Because you, you just you have to be aware of speed like that. You, if you're if you're an opposing team and you don't account for Devin Allen, you're you're not doing your job. You you should be fired <laughs> because everybody in the world knows that this guy is ridiculous fast. So I'm gonna be interested to see if he can 
run a route well enough, get off the line of scrimmage, run a route, and if the Eagles can protect and Jalen Hurts and all that kind of stuff, if he can get some bombs this year and score on some some big plays, some big exciting plays, I'm excited. Like I, I like I said, I love watching world world class athletes in whatever you know whatever discipline they happen to be in uh, play in team sports because it's it's so very different. You know the 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 aspect and you know team sports are so you know coordinated with everything. Whereas you know in a, in a sport like sprinting. You just have to make sure that you you stay in your lane, right? Literally and figuratively, right? Just got to stay in your lane. Make sure everything's working, head to toe. All the mechanics are proper. Everything's perfect. Yeah, like you said, he was four hundredths off of the world record, and that's one thousandth of a of what is it? One thousandth of a second per hurdle. Yeah, crazy. Or four four thousand four sorry four thousandths of a second per hurdle. My math is off a little bit on this Monday. <laughs> Just incredible stuff. That's cool, though. That's cool. Finally, uh, Tyler Tyler Drake, who is our Cardinals insider, who writes for Arizona Sports, great uh, website if you're looking for Cardinals information, Suns information. They've got they've got some really good writers, and it's reason why we we bring Tyler on all the show all the time. Uh, you know, we I, t- I asked him last week about you know who's going to be replacing Jeff Gladney after his passing. Now he says he thinks it's going to be Antonio Hamilton, who started two games for the Cardinals last year, played in all 17 games for the Cardinals last year, recorded a career-high 38 tackles, had four passes defensed. So he's the the logical replacement for Gladney at the number three corner spot. However, nobody's seen him. Like, (laughs) he hasn't shown up for voluntary workouts, and it'll be interesting to see if he shows up for mandatory workouts, which start tomorrow. When asked about the cornerback's lack of attendance, Cliff Kingsbury did what he always does, and he defers to the player. He says, that's a question for the cornerback. Didn't even call him by name. That's a question for the cornerback. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. We'll have plenty of news for Arizona Cardinals camp. Of course, we'll bring Tyler on on Wednesday like we always do to talk Cardinal football as he is our insider. And that'll, that we'll have at least one day under our belt of mandatory camp, mandatory mini camp. Uh, before we talk to him on on Wednesday morning. So stay tuned for that. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Looking forward to another show tomorrow. Also tune in for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. I know I've been clowning on them a little bit for giving away my tickets. It's fine, really. We have we have plenty of tickets to give away. I think it was just a, a recording error on the, uh, on the part there. We have, we have tickets to give away. They didn't give away any, any of my tickets. We have other tickets to give away. It'll be fine. We'll have plenty of tickets for baseball, uh, Diamondbacks, and Tigers. Tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. Uh, today, uh, tonight, actually, on ESPN Tucson, is we are your home for a lot of things, whether it be for Diamondbacks baseball, Phoenix Suns basketball, but we're also your home for the NBA Finals, as the Celtics and the Warriors will be joining that game in progress immediately following Spears and Ali uh, as they wrap up at 6 p.m. The, uh, the Celtics and Warriors game will be just getting underway uh, pretty much 
in that uh, in that time. So we'll be uh, we'll be joining that game in progress. It'll be just a little bit underway, but again, it's you know it's 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 basketball. The fourth quarter is the only one that matters, <laughs> and uh, so tune in tonight following Spears and Ali for your NBA Finals Game Five action. A uh, quick look at Major League Baseball. The Yankees are killing it. Matt Carpenter, holy crap. <laughs> His first 10 games with the Yankees, he just continues to just, it's not even raking. He is, he, he just, he's dialed in. He's laser focused, and he's knocking the cover off of the ball. Matt Carpenter's first 10 games of the Yankees, six home runs, 13 RBIs, and an OPS just under 1.6. What? Oh. Wow. And the Yankees are just killing it right now. The Yankees are by far and away the best record in baseball. They're running away with the American League East right now. It is impressive, uh, to say the least, to see what they're doing. And in the National League, the New York Mets are the best team in the NL. So folks and baseball fans in New York living a charmed life right now, especially after uh, the Dodgers got swept over the weekend, the San Francisco Giants, sweeping the Dodgers in San Francisco, and all is right with the world once again as uh, the stinking Dodgers fall in all three games over the weekend in San Francisco. The Giants right now three and a half games out of first, just a uh, half a game, or uh, I'm sorry, three games behind the, the Padres who are a half a game behind the Dodgers. Diamondbacks in fourth just kind of, they're, they're starting to falter a little bit now, right? I mean, they, you know, they won over the weekend, but uh, they're starting to kind of, come back down to reality they are now four games under 500 on the season and uh it, it's it's already better than we thought it would be some people was thinking were thinking that, that this team was going to win like 50 games this year they're they're going to win more than 50 maybe not a whole lot more but they'll win more than 50 so if you look at the best teams in baseball like i said yankees and mets probably one two uh i you still got to give the nod to the dodgers even though they were swept over the weekend to the San Francisco Giants. I don't know if you heard that, that the Giants swept them at home three games this weekend. Um, even though they got swept over the weekend, I still think they're third or fourth best team in Major League Baseball probably. Right there with the Astros, the Blue Jays, the Braves, like, you know, right there with those teams. Maybe even the Padres. I mean, you know, hell, they're playing really good baseball right now too. Um, so, yeah, it's it's – Major League Baseball, it's, it, this is their time. This is their time to shine. It's summer, and pretty soon they're going to be the only thing going in the world of, uh, of pro sports here in the United States outside of, you know, golf tournaments and things like that going on. But pretty soon, that'll be it. So we'll be turning our focus to, uh, to baseball and watching a little bit more closely at that, trying not to denigrate the uh, Major League Baseball, uh, you know, the way they run things too much here on the show. All right, that is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping me on the air today. And, of course, thanks to you guys, the listeners out there, tuning in every weekday here from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on ESPN Tucson. Don't forget to tune in Spears Mali today from 3 to 6, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning right here at 7 a.m. for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.